0: Thank you. Hey Laurie Listeners welcome back to Super Baby Bro Season 2 Episode 11 Great show coming your way again Four films this week? Yeah four Four
1: slightly serious films I think
0: Yeah and uh, unusual week We still haven't been to see T2 Trainspotting I thought Why is that film? Why have neither of <laughs> us gone? I don't know why
1: I think it's because It reminds me of the Times 2 But I've just never Wanted to see that it reminds film reminds me
0: of that Tea Shop T2 It's literally it's the same Brand colour as well It's <laughs> exactly the, It's identical branding
1: uh, For whatever reason And I apologise I Yeah I've been Reluctant to see it But maybe Maybe I'm not doing my job. What
0: Uh. have we seen?
1: I have seen Loving, the new film from, well, I'm not going to say here, I'm going to say it for Mm. the review. And then also, you've gone to see 20th Century Woman, is that right? Women. Women. Sorry, women. And then Denial, which I know nothing about. Really? Nothing at all? I'm... For whatever reason, I'm in, like, a black hole of, like, uh, understanding these <laughs> it's movies. It's a new coat you've got on, Phil. It's affecting your mind. <laughs> Maybe it it's is. too furry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great fluffy warm coat for this very cold room. Yeah. And uh, Benedict Seal is here again, which is great. He's reviewing Rings, a kind of soft reboot of the Ring franchise. And
0: technically the third in that uh, series, yeah. Yes,
1: yes, yes. So listen out for that. Also, we're going to be doing a little bit of a thing on... Romantic movies?
0: La, 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 Valentine's Day is tomorrow, is that right? I think
1: when this is released, yeah, tomorrow, yeah. It will have
0: been tomorrow on that day. So what are we, are we helping you out or something?
1: Maybe, maybe.
0: Mm, Okay, that's something to look forward to. And your emails and tweets, thank you very much everyone for getting in touch. We'll have those towards the end of the episode as always. And the general notes, check us out on patreon.com slash superbailybros. Find out how you can support this podcast if you're enjoying it. And also a quick note on the rewards. Thank you so much. We've got more rewards categories to give out this week. We're really excited about doing that um, silly Super Bros awards show yeah I'm looking forward to it and I think what we might do is before the actual episode which
1: features it airs we might list it on the website superbaileybros.com so that if you want to suggest something in an email or something like that some nomination for a category you can get in touch and then we can package it together and all that sort of stuff
0: nice and the email of course listeners is superbaileybros at gmail.com at bros on twitter why not have twitter open on your phone tweet your little thoughts towards us as you're listening that'd be great that's an efficient way to do it And yeah, also on the rewards, I am having a baby soon. I mean, my wife is having a Do baby Do you know you're soon. having a baby soon? Like,
1: that's the thing. Like, when weeks. When is it going to happen?
0: Yeah, the due date is actually the day before a very significant birthday for me, which we won't go into detail here about. And I don't know when the baby will arrive. So it, there's every chance that the rewards will not really be in sync with the Oscars. And we might have a random week where suddenly there's no Super Baby Bros. But I think we're going to pre-record a tiny little episode just so, so you know. So nice. so <laughs> just, so just to put it there on the off chance. A little
1: placeholder just in case you get confused. That's but, right. Basically, we don't know when that will happen, but we will try and keep you informed. But it also means potentially it could happen during the Oscars. Oh, I who think. Knows? who knows? And who so knows? therefore, we will store it all up and release it once Laurie's back in action.
0: There you go. So, yeah, it won't get missed. Okay. I think that is everything, isn't it?
1: Oh, <sighs> Are you feeling all right, Laurie? Ready to do this?
0: I'm ready to do it. I ate two cream eggs on the way here, Phil. Unnecessarily. I'm feeling overly sugared but there we are do you feel like regret <laughs> yeah i really do a sickly kind of regret so listen out for that in my voice did you do it at, both at the same time you shove it on one in each cheek like a no, gerbil. But, you know what i did do is what the way i eat them is i tend to organize it so you know that like the vertical crack is trying and... it's vertical in my mouth and so when i bite it it comes <laughs> off and then i can like look out the inside is that gross, gross? <laughs> that's so gross but in the end because i'd done that i was driving at the time as well so dangerous illegal? Oh, very dangerous So i just had to shove it all in i felt so greedy Egg Extremely dangerous. But yes, oh, very good. Let's get going. Loving
1: you is easy because you're
0: beautiful. Horrific to see. <laughs> as well as pity. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I know exactly what you're doing, and you're not you try, even close. Try and reach that note. Loving you is more than just a game for... Ah! I can't get up, that's it. Alright, this is terrible radio
1: slash podcast. Anyway, it's a bit of fun because we're going to be reviewing Loving... Ruth Negger has been nominated for Best Supporting Actress or Best Lead Actress. I'm not sure, quite sure. But anyway, she's been nominated. And so this is an Oscar film. It stars Joel Egerton.
0: Egerton. Egerton.
1: Edg- I don't know. The <laughs> Yeah. <And laughs> Sorry, it doesn't matter. Keep going. And those two play the Lovings. That's their surname. Oh, is it really? Loving is their surname. The Richard ah. and Mildred Loving, who are an interracial couple from Virginia. And we meet them just as uh, Richard Loving is finding out that his fiancé girlfriend is pregnant. What are they going to do? She's black. He's white.
0: In what time period is this? Is this in the past when this was it was a big issue?
1: It's during the civil the civil rights movement. It's kind of about to kind of emerge, right. okay, and it's sort of at the cusp of things boiling and tension. And in Virginia, it's not okay for a white guy to be with a black girl. So, despite the fact that it's got this sort of tension and some people really don't approve, Richard Loving decides he's going to marry this girl, and this sets in in motion basically a kind of unbelievable true story where it's true okay where a judge tells them that they're not allowed to be in Virginia for 25 years he banishes them for 25 years because the only way that they could get married was in DC so they get married in Washington DC but their marriage license is not valid in Virginia
0: right well it's tough stuff yeah,
1: and so it tells the story of that and dealing with that and potentially maybe trying to challenge that. Okay. Uh, I'm going to play a clip here now. This is a clip, in fact, of when that magical moment that sets it all off happens. Okay. i want to put the kitchen back, right back here. Richard, stop this. I don't know what you're saying. I bought it.
0: This whole acre... I'm going to build you a house right here.
1: Our house. it Yes?
0: Would you marry me? Now, you see, Phil, because I can see the visuals for that clip as well. That is almost the boilerplate of a scene in gold that I laughed at last week. Well, it's funny because when I was watching this, uh, when I was watching this movie, I was thinking, oh, Matthew it's, McConaughey. It's so similar. Except, this is really lovely and serious with a beautiful score. Whereas the other one had a ball thing, like leaping, skipping Matthew McConaughey. It was so, wow, with his big belly out, yeah. So funny, yeah. Okay.
1: No, well, Joel um, Edgerton, Richard Loving is nothing like Matthew McConaughey. He has got uh, really? Really? a big hulking frame, and he's got the biggest cheekbones you've ever seen on an actor. I can't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't take my eyes off it Cut in a kind cross. of an unhelpful mm. way. And he's got this sort of shock of blonde hair, and so you've got this very, very much white man with a, a very much black lady. So it's it's a nice little contrast, and it's quite nice that how this film manages to show. That for them it's completely normal. They love each other. Who cares? And is
0: that just obvious in the dialogue and everything? All their yeah, is, and how they know. interact
1: and they've got they've got a very nice chemistry between these two actors. I think, which shows a very natural, warm relationship that's not sensational. There's nothing sensational about their. Oh, I love that their relationship. It is everything around it that causes the drama, the tension. This film is directed by Jeff Nichols and written by him as well. Now Laurie, does that ring a name for you at
0: all? Yeah. Don't but look it up a, on the computer. Not for a good reason. It's because uh, I think I'm confusing him with Mike Nichols, who also only sticks in my mind because I heard other radio DJs uh, laughably call him Mike Nipples. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so I don't have a good so reason. So you're thinking Jeff no. Nipples, not, nothing else. That's not <laughs> that helpful. He directed a film which I have seen and reviewed. On this podcast in
0: fact Do you remember that film Midnight Special? I do With uh, Michael Shannon And it's like a boy Who's an alien or something
1: Yeah it's a sci-fi thing All about fathers And and it's very kind of And I wasn't a massive fan of it But I think uh, Nicholas Inard Got in touch and said How wonderful it was And I got it completely wrong (laughs) Anyway um, He also directed a film Called Mud Starring Matthew McConaughey McConaughey, Yeah of course And uh, and two little boys uh, Who And I really loved that film I thought it was a great film Um, Really interesting Took its time Was well told Well written and great performances from Matthew McConaughey. So I've got I went into this film thinking I don't really know what I'm going to think of this because I wasn't a fan of Midnight Special. I thought it was a bit unsatisfying, but I like Joel Edgerton in it and then I really like Mud, so I was kind of which way is this film going to go? In some ways I thought how is this film anything like either of those two? You've got a kind of coming of age story and then a sci-fi film yeah. about fathers and sons and then here's a film which is a biopic almost a real real true story about an interracial marriage and unfortunately i have to say i don't i don't get it at all okay and maybe maybe that's quite good and music to those who've seen this film and love it because i've just said i didn't get the other film that he did <laughs> yeah. um i think it's boring i think it's really boring which oh, is a real shame man, that's
0: a real shame yeah, it, it is a shame. real shame
1: because i liked the chemistry between the two but I don't get why she's been nominated at all. I don't think she does anything in the film. Is it
0: a sort of private, internalised pain kind of thing? And, and, and what you're saying that I'm surprised by and delighted by is that it's a very non-sensationalist romance and it portrays, actually, this is really normal and it should be treated normally, almost boringly, because it's ridiculous that they have to ungo these things because of how normal and wonderful it is. Is that the kind of message? I mean, yeah, kind of, but then from an audience perspective... If 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 they're kind
1: of just getting on with life and they're not that fussed about what's going on and they're kind of ignoring all the 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 tension and the the hate that they're getting and and they never seem to uh, expel their emotions because it seems like that's what the couple was like they're very reserved and keep themselves themselves and they're not interested in in causing a fuss nas- nationally or anything like that they just want to be married and live their life. That makes it very difficult for a filmic audience. I hear what because you're saying, too understated. You have nothing to go with. You have nothing to connect with them because you're not in the 1950s and you're not being persecuted and, and told that your marriage is invalid. You have no way of really understanding what that feels like. And if Joel Edgerton is very stoic and monosyllabic and doesn't really say anything and his wife Mildred is very weirdly optimistic and unfazed by all the drama, it kind of becomes a bit of a nothing story they don't seem to want it to be a story. And so you're getting told the story that they don't really
0: want to be told. (laughs) That is interesting. I mean, when you put it like that, it sounds as though it's the kind of thing a director would want to do because it's sort of... It's it's challenging by its very nature. It's anti-cinema, it's anti-drama, and the story itself is anti-discrimination, isn't it? So kind of maybe it's one of those almost video essay type things. I mean, Surely the director, I mean, Midnight Special had a good visual style, didn't it?
1: Yeah, and I think the visuals for this film are great, um, but I can't really say much else is great. I think the actors do a good job for what they probably were told to do, but I don't think there's anything remarkable there. Um, I like I think, the sound of the score. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's nice. And <laughs> But it's so difficult because a true story like this one, and it is a really significant true story, Was it a
0: landmark case in the end kind of thing?
1: It's a really significant story. And I don't want to say anything because I didn't know, but it's a significant story that matters. But in some ways, the thing which is remarkable is the fact that nothing was remarkable about it because they chose not to make it remarkable. They weren't interested in being remarkable as i said they wanted to be just married
0: now tell me is it the kind of film you often laugh at me for enjoying films that don't have cataclysmic points in them but kind of wash over you in a very gentle way like patterson for example uh, with adam driver jim jarmusch is the most kind of nothing happens in this film film but i really liked it is it the kind of thing that you could enjoy just to experience or is it not is it does it seem like it is trying to make a point I mean, it's obviously trying to make a
1: point and it, seems, it just seems like there's not enough there. There's not enough given to it. The The best sequence in the film is when um, a Life magazine photographer played by Michael Shannon... Oh, right, okay. ...who again re- returns yeah, yeah, yeah. with his uh, midnight special. He comes, he's a photographer and he hangs out and he, he provides suddenly somebody who's quite chatty and a reason for these people to chat to him and he's there and he's sort of spending his time and then it shows how a, a famous photo of the couple is taken... And he just snaps the picture and that was the best sequence for me because it it encapsulated what I think this film was trying to do, which was show how normal these people were and how unfair it is that they were that, that they were targeted by Virginia. And the only way that that really is achieved is when somebody outside of their relationship is shown interacting gotcha, with them in gotcha. their relationship, if that makes sense. Um, annoyingly as well is it's fine if you have sort of stoic kind of quiet people as a yeah. focus but even the people around them are very, very quiet. There's a, a point in which a lawyer gets involved who thinks, "Oh, maybe this could go to the Supreme Court. We make this is this is a case which really could be used by the civil rights uh, movement to change the law." And it's played by I think Nick Kroll. I think that's his name. I think he's had a couple of TV roles. He's a kind of stand-up comedian. He plays this lawyer who's who's put on their case and and gets involved. And he's the most dull thing. There's never any excitement or passion or anything, and the way that the film sets up his character is clearly there should have been some passion or excitement because he's this kind of small-town lawyer who might be going to the Supreme Court. Like
0: an international ruling.
1: And making thing. a yeah. kind of... Yeah, and being involved in maybe a landmark case that will change the law, which is everything in America. Like, and that's never really conveyed. That's conveyed in... They say this is going to change... They He tells the couple this could change everything but you don't see it on his face. You don't see it on anyone's face. And you're just kind of, I found myself shaking and being like, somebody react to this. Somebody (laughs) show that this is a real life situation. Um, It's so quiet. The film's so quiet. It's too quiet. And it really shouldn't be quiet. I mean, it needs these, even if it's, even if it's not true or reflective, it, the director should be putting in and the writer should be putting in these moments that really um, expose it. Even if it's not really the truth, if you're trying to tell a story with meaning and with uh, a point to be made, I think it's okay to egg egg the I don't know what the phrase is. I was gonna say egg the pudding, but it's about egg-
0: melodrama basically.
1: Yeah, like or draw out some moments which actually have that. There's yeah. one sequence which they try to make exciting and dangerous, and it's just it's completely not in the end. And it's such a flat
0: it doesn't I don't know why they included it. Very interesting. I uh well, three things to say to you, Phil. <laughs> Number one is I felt almost This is interesting because it's got parallels in my mind already with a film I'll be reviewing next week, Hidden Figures. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Then the next thing listeners say is, I've been trying to get a rise out of the whole review, and it's difficult. I don't seem to be able to get you to feel strongly about it because it's just too bland. And that leads me to my final thing to say to you, which is that... It just sounds like it must be deliberate. The guy must be trying to do something by presenting the film that way. If it is, as you claim, maybe he's trying to for- get something out of you, which is to say, how can these people be so calm? It's to enrage you and give you the emotion by keeping it blank on the screen or something.
1: I. But the thing is, is the story itself is great. I really love the story. I like the uh, the, the trueness of it. I don't care about the film. I don't want to watch that film again. I was okay. boring. I've, I... Believe it or not, I even maybe had a long blink at one point.
0: Phil, you can't. But admit not, that for
1: long, not for very long. Not for very long. Not very long. You ruined. Well, you my, ruined the integrity of your integrity. Well, <laughs> fine. If it's my integrity it has been was ruined, the blink, to be honest, then. it wasn't very long. It wasn't very long. But I, and I'm certain it wasn't very long because well, nothing happened in the blink. <laughs> then otherwise, because the film made complete sense afterwards. Right. 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 So what's the grade? The grade for me, I think, is a B minus. I think there's some quality in the the visuals. And I I think maybe there was some quality in the idea of what they were trying to execute. But I think ultimately it just becomes a bland, boring, just dull film.
0: Well, there we go, listeners. Tell us your thoughts if you've been to see Loving. Especially- I certainly wasn't loving it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Especially give us your thoughts on Ruth Negger uh, and the potential of her winning in that Best Actress category. Do you think she deserves to be there? Do you think she deserves to win? Let us know and always, as ever, give Phil a plus or a minus one if he's wrong or right.
1: I really, 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 I know I say this like every single time, but I'd really love to hear a dissenting view, a view which says what I missed in this film because maybe it's just I'm a bit tone deaf to this guy's direction and what he likes to do. um,
0: But it's a shame. As Phil's already called you out, if you go to see this, (laughs) let us know. Uh, Any bonuses, Phil, or should we wrap it up? Oh, I should say, and I completely forgot to say, there was
1: one character which I thought was really, really well acted, and he's not in it majorly. I can't remember the actor's name or the character's name. That's the film's fault. Don't blame me. Okay. Uh, it was the the sheriff guy who arrests this couple at the start and is kind of a bit of a plague to them. He is perfectly delivered because it's sort of this weirdly unenraged anger and disapproval and hate. It, he, he The way the guy, the actor, performs his lines conveys perfectly... How racism is because it's not it's not active hate in the kind of I'm I'm furious I'm passionate argh, you've you've hurt me it is disgust and Man. and and somehow the way the guy delivered it completely conveyed it it was sort of lethargic hate oh, and I thought horrible, that was that was wonderfully executed by the actor so credit to him and that was a weird little bit of oh that's very good
0: a bit in a negative way yeah it's, <laughs> it's like he
1: was truly horrible yeah, yeah bonus, I really eh? didn't like him.
0: But- uh, all right, thanks very much, Phil. Let's review 20th century women, Phil. Do you know any of
1: those? 20th century women? Mm. Uh, 20th century, is that 1900s to. Yes. To, yeah, 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 I do. Yeah, well, a
0: well, how, how, what do you mean? Because we're not in the tw- in 20th century anymore, so how do you know any? Because
1: um, I was born
0: in the 20th century. And... Do you mean know that's what the title means? Well, I've seen, like, I don't know, like, uh, my mum is the one. But is she... Is that what a 20th century woman means? I would have thought a 20th century woman was one who lived and died in that era, was it? No, you know. I don't really understand it. Yeah. I don't really know what this film's about. I don't understand it. I don't think this film knows what it's about, Phil. It's a little illustration for you, listeners, oh, Mike Mills burn. is Oscar-nominated, if you can believe it, for the screenplay... To the film that he has also directed. Twentieth Century Women stars Annette Benning as Dorothea, a fifty five year old woman in nineteen seventy nine, a single working mother who is trying to raise her son Jamie. But she worries they're not communicating very well. He's an adolescent, I think he's fifteen or something, and he's starting to get a bit grumpy and moody and trying to have his carve out his own independence. Fifteen year olds, girls or boys, are, you know, confused and confusing people. Mm. That's how that goes. But and she particularly feels that without a strong male role model in his life, she might just not be up to the task of showing him what it means to be a good man. And that is a phrase that comes up again. What does it mean to be a good man? And not just how can I teach him to be one, but what is a good man, Phil? She figures out there is a man who is lodging with her in this house. Billy Crudup plays William, but he's a man who enjoys working with tools too much and he's kind of boring and he sort of has a bit of a hippie-ish past. So Jamie doesn't thinks he's a bit boring. He doesn't want to learn from him and she doesn't consider him a viable role model. So what she naturally does is decides the best people who can teach her son how to be a good man are two women uh, who are also in his life. His best friend, played by Elle Fanning, that's Julie, and she is two years older than him, and she does this thing where she climbs into his room, up the scaffolding outside their house, climbs into his room at night to sleep in the same bed as him without, you know, doing anything they shouldn't be doing. It's very platonic, and she likes doing that to chat to him and then sleep in the same bed. It's
1: like her. brother-sister sort of thing, but in a yeah, bit of a weird way. Yeah, but he fancies her, so that's oh. awkward. That's awkward for, <laughs> oh, okay.
0: that's awkward for all, everybody, <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, a lose-lose. <laughs> and then also Greta Gerwig as Abby. Do you know who Greta Gerwig is?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's sort of an indie hit. She was in a film called um, something about Paris, Loving Paris or something like that.
0: Uh, I'm not sure what the one you're talking about. Paris, is a Tim? Yeah, that? maybe that's there, yeah. Possibly, yeah. She was also in Jackie, actually, playing uh, Natalie Portman's White House aide. And she's in a film called Greenberg, starring Ben Stiller. Uh, but anyway, she is basically taken the... Cookie queen crown uh from what phoebe her from friends no no not phoebe from friends no it's the one from new girl what's her name again zoe Deschanel. Ah, uh, she's dream girl yeah yeah and that's what she is in this film she's a mid-twenties photographer who also lodges in the house like william does uh and she kind of has had this m- m- sort of mixed up history and she's there and she's a bit of a free spirit she's really into the arts so these two women abby the mid-twenties photographer uh, Julie, l Fanning's character, Annette Benning's Dorothea asked them to help just teach her son about life and everything else. And that's it. That's the premise of this film. It's told in quite extended conversations, odd sort of vine- uh, almost vignettes, like random situations that just happen. Occasionally stitched together with montages of timepiece clips, old film, Casablanca, because that's what Nanette uh, Benning watches, likes to watch, or TV clips from political programs at the time. You can pitch this sort of thing. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and maybe long exposure camera shots of driving, so all the lights blur and that kind of thing, or it's underscored by a very sort of endlessly boring score from Roger Neal that sounds like a public health information soundtrack. Uh, or you sometimes get voiceover as well, odd monologuish voiceover from various different characters in the film. And bizarrely, they sometimes talk with the perspective as if they're in the future, looking back right. on their own lives and telling you what is to happen. or telling you about the past as well. One particularly obnoxious one stars this 15-year-old Jamie telling us in the 1920s, he's talking about his mother. You know, this is de- depression, people. And they had all this perspective on life. And while the world was falling apart, the people were real. He uses that phrase, but the people were real. I think I read that on a BuzzFeed article somewhere, didn't I? I'm pretty sure that BuzzFeed article was also nominated for... Um, best screenplay of the oscars
1: i'm getting the sense rather unsettling that you're not a fan of this film laurie
0: well let's find out uh should we play a clip yes so in this clip you have dorothea annette benning chatting to jamie just as guests are leaving a party and she notices that he is looking rather fondly at julie Elfanny's character as she leaves as well so here's a little snapshot of their relationship
1: good night bye so i'll see you later
2: just don't hang out with that Chris guy anymore, okay? He's just he's, he's kind of dumb.
1: Exactly. Happy birthday. Hi, Julie.
0: Stop. What?
2: Thinking that you know everything that's going on. No, I, don't, I just think that, you know, having your heart broken is a tremendous way to learn about the world. Do you think you're happy? Like, as happy as you thought you'd be when you were my age. Seriously? You don't ask people questions like that. You're my mom. (laughs) Especially your mom. Look, wondering if you're happy, it's a great shortcut to just being depressed. Give me that.
0: Well, there you go. It's kind of quirky, isn't it? Did you like the terrible music? (laughs) Um, Not not, not a loaded question at all. I don't
1: really get it because she said, Oh, you'd never ask that question. I think I've asked my parents that sort of question all the time. Like, loads of questions. Like, what were you like when you were 12? Like, like, and compared. So I don't really get it. Did you like
0: her response that uh, asking about happiness is a short way to being depressed? It's very full of meaning, Phil. I mean, I had to go home and sleep and think about it for days just to get over (sighs) the meaning of that, didn't you? Uh, I feel like we need to be quick on this review. <laughs> I really didn't like this film, listeners. I think it is so unbearably pretentious and it has nothing to say about anything. Nothing at all. Nothing well, even no. accidentally to say. The only things I liked about it, there are exactly three things I liked about the film. Name I them. thought Annette Benning's performance was great. She is a terrific leading lady and she almost makes this terribly on the nose shallow script feel like it has some kind of meaning it almost makes it seem like her character is filled with kind of angst and self-reflection and doubt and is a real person it's, and that is an achievement you very very rarely this is the second thing i liked as well see a film that is focused on a 55 year old woman let alone one in the 1970s how many films have you seen about that almost no one mm. and it makes her feel like a real person i thought whoa yeah that is interesting to think about love that i also really like billy Crudup. he uh plays this guy perfectly he's sort of weirdly charming and authentic in a very hippie-ish and slightly laughable way And it's a very light, restrained performance. I thought it was great. I like nothing else at all. Nothing else at all? Nope, not a thing. I thought the script was awful. The only reason it seems even half natural is because Annette Bening is so great. What's the flaws? Where has it gone wrong? It's a script that appears to me to feel that it doesn't need to be clever in any way because its observations are themselves sufficiently clever. So everything the characters say is exactly what they think all the time basically in my opinion anyway they sort of try and cloak it in colloquialisms and speech but basically they just say what's on their mind all the time really good examples of this and i think i wrote a note down this is becoming one of my most hated things in all films in all cinemas is when people use music as a way to communicate meaning purely on its own so there's so many scenes where they talk about the raincoats As, like, this great punk 70s band, and how, like, oh, they know they're rubbish, but, like, their rubbishness is what's authentic and pure about it. And it was interesting, but while Benedict was here, Benedict really liked this film, listeners, so you already know someone disagrees with me, and basically everyone disagrees with me. He said he thought it was very clever and knowing, and it was slightly affectionately mocking the fact that when you're a teenager or a young adult, you do think that music means everything. And we all remember, especially in the days of MSN Messenger, when you'd put some deep and meaningful song lyric... You had to have a good on song, your song. Profile.
1: And also, you had to be listening to good music, because sometimes they show you exactly, now listening right. to... Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And you had to curate your playlist. You want to be deep <laughs> and mean, The problem I have is that I don't think it is that affectionate or mocking. I think the guy actually does seem to think... That this is meaningful, <laughs> and there's another bit where uh, Annette Benning and Billy Crudup listen to I can't remember what the name of the band is, but it's like a sort of thrashing band. They play some of their son CDs, and then they really awkwardly try and dance to it. And she says, "Is this interesting?" they have this intellectual discussion about the music. Like, let's analyse this music. What does that say about my, my son? Wait, wait, so Billy Crump's his dad or... No, 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 no. Sorry, I said their son. No, it's just Ned Benning's son. The father moved away a long time ago. Um, yeah, I mean, you're looking at me like with nervous eyes as if I'm being too harsh on this film. I just want to... I think it's... I've, I've been there, my
1: friend. I've been there. <laughs> when you absolutely hate something and you... not
0: I didn't hate it. I just do, couldn't see any redeeming qualities. Well, so otherwise you hated it. Like, there's nothing... <laughs> that's quite a good description of hate.
1: But... I I'm trying to work out exactly why you say it's pretentious and uh it thinks
0: it's so meaningful and deep is it sort of thing. Well I just think if you if what it's doing as benedict says is it's holding out these archetypes and sort of stereotypes so that we can whimsically say oh wasn't it it wasn't it funny and how I was so serious back then and I treated uh, you know relationships in the world so seriously and we do laugh at what we were like when we were teenagers right. Right. If that is it then well what is it saying with that? If you 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 want to present that on the screen, if you want to present that, that's fine. But why are you doing that? Is it supposed to be a comedy? Is it supposed to actually teach us something about the 70s or or relationships or women? I, I just don't know, Phil. And that's why I came away being left with the feeling that actually Mike Mills thinks this on its own is meaningful, which is a disaster. But yeah, I will say it's not a complete disaster, though. I thought the cinematography was really wonderful. It's so bright. And if you think about a period piece set in the 70s, I mean, think about The Nice Guys who set in the 70s, yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? And that had a kind of dinginess to it, didn't it? A kind of sweatiness. Haze, yeah. Whereas this is very bright. It's a kind of a surfer-style haze, and everything feels kind of almost artificial. Kind of TV-esque. Yeah, and the way that it's shot really plays into that with its uh, approaches to light and focus and everything else. And... The only problem I had, while the cinematography was great, it didn't make use of very many locations. And so you never really got to feel the authentic seventiesness of where you were at. Instead, that is achieved by those little clip montages that I was talking about. And there's probably a, what will become a fairly well-known moment where Jimmy Carter does his Crisis of Confidence speech. Have you come across that?
1: I haven't actually, sorry.
0: And this is something I wasn't familiar with, either listeners, but it was a very significant speech he made in the 70s about uh, the administration and the country, and they used that, everyone sat around the TV and talked about it, and that's a sort of timepiece moment. And, you know, I think it can be summed up, my problems with the film, most. And I didn't know this going in uh, by the fact that Mike Mills, he's also a graphic designer by trade. Mm. And this film feels very designed, very artificial, hollow and I think meaningless and and what's even worse is that occasionally it brings in discussions that are incredibly emotional and raw highly relevant to today's world uh, particularly to do with women and sexuality and stuff and again it doesn't say anything about them in fact it says so little that the characters just read out sections of feminist uh, literature that were published at the 70s just read it out And you think, well, has he selected that paragraph cleverly or what? I think actually that's just an illustration that he has nothing to say in his screenplay. He reads this out and shows characters reacting to it. But because it applies all these kind of themes, I think it dishonestly believes itself to be important.
1: So is it a soapbox for feminist ideas or a
0: feminist point? Well, or I can tell you. In a kind of a, I'm not really making a point. I'm just, well, I'm just sort of observing maybe this. It's more the second one. And I don't think the film is really aiming to make a point with feminism. I think it, this is my problem with it. I think it uses it. I think it uses it as set dressing to tell a very boring story that is meandering and meaningless. And actually, Mike Mills says this is semi autobiographical as well about his own mother. And that makes it even worse because. The impression you get is, well, what a quirky guy Mike Mills is! What an uh, unusual upbringing he must have had, and I think that kind of explains it all. He says he wanted to just make a really personal film,
1: and it's a bit self-congratulatory,
0: incredibly self-satisfied. So there you have it, listeners. I think I probably shouldn't say any more, should I? No, <laughs> I, I just don't get it. The critics absolutely love it. So either I have no idea what I'm talking about, or maybe uh, or maybe, maybe or I'm right. I don't know. The
1: only thing I can think of is maybe it's because it's quite loose and there's not much to it and it doesn't really say anything, it, it instead pushes you to reflect on your own sort of teenage adolescence. And I think... Um, but it didn't make
0: me think that at all. Because but then these maybe people that's are not beca-
1: real. But then maybe that's because you're not like this particular person. And you're not in that situation. You don't have a single mum, and uh, and maybe I can imagine. There's quite a few people who that is their reality. That they do remember doing, living with a, their own mum, but the thing is, if, no if are stuck
0: with that, and if it was much more about Annette Benning and her son, the problem is it isn't really. That kind of gets given up a little while, and it just becomes a pastiche of all these different parts of life for these people. It's called 20th Century Women because. You hear from El Fanning's perspective, as well as Abby's, as well as Dorothy's, and also Jamie, for some reason, who is not a 20th century woman, unless he's trying to be clever and say, hey, maybe... We're <laughs> all you know 20th I mean? century like, women. What, 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 what is he saying? I really liked Annette Benning in the film. As I said, that she's one of the major positives. And when she's just with her son talking, I get that kind of kitchen sink drama. Literally, they hang out at the kitchen sink at different points. Talk, and you can see the fraughtness of their relationship. And, and actually, the kind of point is, well, he's just growing up. You just need to let him grow up. But I've seen a hundred other films that do it better, Phil. Mm. Anyway, so for me, it gets a D. A D? Whoa. I think it's really bad. I haven't heard you give a D in forever. I really didn't like it. I really (laughs) took against it very quickly because it it was so smug. It was almost unbearable. In my opinion. Yeah.
1: Well, I think we need to hear listeners' feedback on this then because I don't know what to think of this film Well, you don't
0: have to go far to see uh, completely opposing views. Well, loads of people love it.
1: Listeners, get in touch, please do, and tell Laurie what he didn't understand about the film or what the point was of the film. We'd love to hear some critical analysis without it being too long, so we can condense it down <laughs> and read it out. But we'd love to hear your thoughts on what makes this film work and, and what it's saying and all that sort of stuff. We trust you guys. You guys are film fans as well, just as much as we are. So email in superbabybros at gmail.com or you can tweet us at superbabybros.
0: Nice. And a massive thumbs down as my bonus to the score. I wanted to do uh, the review as people in this film as well, Phil. Can we get a little snippet? I'll give you a little taste of it because I don't want to have too much of that. Here we go. Don't let go. You've Got the music in you. Don't let go. You've got the music in you. And I think we've all got music in us. You know, that that came from a song. It was actually a popular song (laughs) back when I was young. And, you know, it didn't occur to me at the time. But that's true, isn't it? It's true for all of us. Don't let go. That's the
1: New Radicals, isn't it?
0: Don't let go. You got the music in you. You got what? the dreamer's... Bit. It was the dreamer's disease, isn't it? I what? don't
1: know. It's a great song, though. I love what that song. song. Okay, really quick, listeners, because Laurie's saying we've overrun already. <laughs> uh, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Uh, not right now as a recording. But I... Uh, well, maybe I've got a lady friend who I'd quite like to see a movie with. Maybe he I does, maybe to, he doesn't. Maybe I don't. Really. But basically, I wanted to know, what are you doing for your Valentine's Day? I'm sure there'll be plenty of you listeners who will be watching a movie. I'd love to find out which movie you watched and which movie you did watch, because hopefully some people get in touch, you know, on the day. You must have seen some
0: romantic success story films.
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which one? On, what are your picks? Well, I mean, I was thinking something like Harry Met Sally because, you know, that's great, classic. Or But that's a lot to do maybe, with them breaking up and Maybe stuff. like The Lake House, you know, because that's. The lake House. And then I thought, oh, that's a bit B movie. And then I thought, the Notebook.
0: But then that's. Was that like Notting Hill? Well, Notting Hill's a good one, yeah. I think About Time is brilliant. No, that's not a romantic story at all. I think it is romantic. No, disagree. So it depends like, what, you, what you're what you going for. Though. That
1: movie is a father and
0: son cry fest. That's all I'll I say. I think it's quite romantic as well. Maybe I'm wrong about What this. do you think makes a good romantic movie? Talking Phil. thats one of the things—is that it's easy. <laughs> Sorry, I said that really It's really, it's easy to think a film that is really emotional and kind of heartwarming or whatever is going to be great. But actually that just means you tend not to chat because you don't want to miss it and you get really drawn in and it's quite heavy. Oh, you're going very practical in terms yeah. of like the experience as of watching a As a date itself, I think, I think you're better off having one that you can enjoy as, as a couple. You are, I was thinking more like
1: getting them into the, like, the mindset of romance and mm-hmm. then they might appreciate who they're with. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I know what you're saying. I, I like films that you can chat over and, and it's okay to pause in the middle. For example, go and make some hot chocolate, pop some marshmallows and squirty cream on top. That <laughs> Uh, that goes down very well That's how you got married man if you've also got Bailey's instead of milk to add oh. into your chocolate that is good stuff yeah so I think a film that you can ignore is, is, is valuable
1: stuff what's a good movie what's a movie which you've really enjoyed watching I
0: spy <laughs> with uh, Judith that I've enjoyed watching with Judith we quite enjoyed watching the Twilight films actually Did you? together because we could both laugh at how ridiculous they were but they're a bit lovey-dovey too they are a little bit lovey-lovey helpful what I I feel I feel like I need to say I'm slightly playing
1: this up because of you know. Do you not think
0: the person who may or not may not be a person might hear this? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh. Uh, well, listeners, get in touch, give Phil some love advice on <laughs> Super Bailey Bros at gmail.com at Super Bailey Bros on Twitter. Why not embarrass him? Go embarrassing, that's what I say. Please don't. Please be helpful, listeners ring ring, ring ring. uh, uh hello. Ring, 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 ring. Hello. There's no answer because the, the film is Rings. Oh, <sighs> Benedict, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. I, Benedict, you're here to
1: re- review Rings. Fantastic. I am indeed.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry about that joke. I mean, I, I mean, it was you saw. I
2: didn't think about it. It just came off the top of my head. That's that's good. It's encouraging. Something in you Something Sometimes it's gold And sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. it isn't
1: I mean I didn't get it But maybe that's my problem
2: Well let's all get this <laughs> A review of Rings By Benedict Seal, Horror correspondent Welcome back uh, Thank you very much So yeah I'm here to talk about Rings Which is the third installment Of the American version Of this franchise Which do you both know? The Ring Wasn't it? The first Yeah that's the one mm.
1: Yep The Ring Then there's Ring 2 And this is Rings plural
2: And remake plural. of a
0: Japanese horror film
2: uh, Correct Yeah Ringu Ringu, it's Pingu. Ring Pingu. Brother. Evil Pingu would be a fantastic
0: horror film. But yeah, sorry, carry on, Benedict.
2: So it's been quite a while since The Ring 2. I think it's about 10 years or something. So in a way, this film kind of acts as a soft reboot. You know that term? So yeah, it's, yeah, kind yeah. Of, it's a sequel, but it's also quite accessible to new audiences. Hey, who are trying to re-establish. who are only kind of passingly aware of the spooky Japanese girl coming out of your TV, that kind of thing. Yeah. We have a couple in the centre, Julia and Holt. And Holt is going off to college, so they're going to kind of keep this relationship going, but long distance. And months in, Julia starts getting a bit kind of worried about where things are going because she's hearing less and less from Holt. At one point, he kind of totally like disappears. Well, he's... not before, before her eyes or just in life? No, like uh, he's not responding to her texts right, and okay. that kind of thing. Okay. And she gets worried and she's close enough that she can drive over. And it's like, what is going on with my boyfriend? Where is he? What's happened? She stalks Holt's lecturer in kind of experimental biology. Right. He's played by Johnny Galecki from the Big Bang Theory. Yep. Oh, yep. yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. The Leonard. One. Leonard, playing very serious this time. She stalks him because he, she thinks that he might have something to do with this and stumbles upon a weird kind of after school cult club to do with this cursed videotape from right. the previous Ring films. And this is all very strange and she finds out the Holt has watched the tape but the part of the club is that there's a weird cycle is that you have another member of the club to then watch the video after you so nobody actually dies.
1: Right, because the, the whole thing with the ring is you watch the video yeah. and then seven days later... Uh, this horrible lady is going to get you yep. unless somebody else watches it in that time. Exactly. And therefore it like jumps over. It's like the worst sort of chain email ever.
0: Yes, it is. Oh, good, oh, good thinking. They used to annoy me so much, those things.
1: Mm, forward on. Ooh. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But it's a very sort of Russian roulette thing because eventually someone
2: is going to break that cycle, right? Well, it is. Yeah. Julia coming in thinks, well, this is insane. Why are you doing this? I want to try and put a stop to this myself. I want to save my boyfriend And they kind of Go on this adventure Similar to the first film To try and work out Like Is there a way We can actually Stop this from happening Rather than just Letting the cycle Go on and on And on and on and on. What find the source Find the what, Who's the powering God. All this sort of evil Indeed yeah Right well we don't Have any clips
0: Available to us On the box thing But we do have the trailer Shall I play that A shrieky trailer Sounds good Yeah and listeners Sensitive listeners You know I'll try and edit out The most scary bits <laughs> But uh, apologies If this is a bit On the spooky side Here we go
2: You're not real! You're not real. Come on, we gotta get up.
0: I keep thinking about this story. There's this video that kills you seven days after you watch it. The second it's over, the phone rings. And this boy says...
2: What does she want from me? You've opened up a door. And now no one is safe.
0: Met this girl on Monday. Took her for a drink on Tuesday. We were... Hold on. What kind of... is Is that rude? by wednesday <laughs> and on thursday and friday and saturday something to do with rings this is your joke phil <laughs> don't, don't do that. i thought it was gonna be really funny because well, you know seven days i think i made it funnier by blaming it on uh, you personally thanks bro Benedict so, I, mean, I apologise that That's our reaction To the trailer I'll be honest Benedict I can see the visuals Which obviously Listeners can't And listeners You can find this trailer Online There's some pretty Spooky stuff going on there That little sequence At the end Is a plain bathroom Pouring a gross Looking substance Out of it Horrendous.
2: Mm-hmm. The opening scene Is set on a plane Is that uh, the opening Yeah it is Cry-optic It's kind of like a, a cold open Yeah um, Which then Kind of links To how the tape Is uh, kind of spreading In this film Right it kind of it kicks things off. And yeah, a guy, it is his kind of final hour or whatever of his seven days. And he happens to be on a plane when it happens. So Samara, the evil spirit, uh, kind of invades the plane. Wow. And you get all that black goop. Ooh. Oh my goodness. And her climbing out of monitors from the wow. cockpit and all this kind of thing. Okay. That's it. Nice. Well, it's not actually that creepy. That opening scene is strangely well, exciting. like an action yeah. sequence. Yeah, it is. It's very, very much so, kind of uh, maybe a bit Final Destination-y. Yeah, that is exactly what jumped into yeah. my mind. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, and I enjoy these films a lot, but then they don't necessarily have the same scares that are kind of low-key, spooky, uh, evil spirit Japanese movie. Can well, have. now I'm getting an inkling here, Benedict, and not least because I happen to know this is a film that you love.
0: But the last film I saw that took a singular concept and pluralized it, and then went a bit more action than scary, was Aliens. Where Alien was a lot more horror, shifting shadows. Aliens was a rip-roaring action adventure using the same imagery. Is that what's happened here?
2: That's kind of an interesting comparison, you know? How about that? Um, An interesting guy. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're still going for scares in this film. It's definitely a horror film. But I suppose if I were to ask you to make a Rings movie now in 2016, Mm. the big difference might be how can we update this premise for well, sure, I was going to say, like, VHSs
1: haven't been around for... Nobody's got... VA, nobody sure. uses
2: video players anymore. It's all But YouTube. that makes it kind of better, because it's almost like an
0: ancient scroll kind of thing now. Yeah. You've got to find a video player <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> it, like, unearth it from exactly, the ground. yeah, <laughs> before I blow the dust off, and it kind of changes speed. So, you know, that would be quite fun.
2: Which but, does very much happen, and I think... <laughs> really? Yeah, kind of. And I think that's why the the cult element works so well. Yeah, okay. Because okay. it is kind of... It's that kind of hipster thing. A if you get the, the Buzzfeed generation. <laughs> yeah, indeed, yeah. Uh, but rather than trying to do any obvious kind of technological updates they just kind of double down on the mythology right okay. and it's mythology that is actually quite accessible as i say that soft reboot thing you don't have to know the kind of key beats of that original the ring it covers those again for you so kind of reminds you this is the basic setup this is what we know at this moment And then they add, they just shovel mythology, which I think is really quite fun, actually, on top of it. And you have a crazy final act with uh, kind of narrative twists and reveals and uh, people not necessarily being who they say they are. The thing
0: is, man, you're making this sound like Indiana Jones does horror or something. (laughs) Everything you're saying
2: makes it sound good to
0: me. It it is. Really? I'm so glad you liked it.
2: Yeah, cuz this it's been slated by critics. I think last time I looked it had a uh, 6%. Seriously? No, on really? Rotten Tomatoes. That's a go see this and prove them all wrong, isn't it? I think so. I think I think definitely. This is a this is one of a handful of positive reviews, but I think this is actually really enjoyable. So what is it that the the
1: critics seem to not be picking
2: up yeah, on? Yeah, what are they getting wrong? Um so I think they've seen that soft reboot element and some of the kind of repeated plot points of which there are some and they've been like well this is the same movie it feels very dated because they haven't tried to update
0: it it's never going to be popular with critics the soft reboot thing because people want more originality and I support that I think there's a lot of original Cinnabar that could be made but in this case you know, horror... Doesn't horror have a, a very old precedent for continually adding new installments to existing franchises? That's kind of what horror fans want, isn't it? It doesn't yeah. seem to be unfair to penalise it in this case.
2: Yeah, indeed. I mean, you have uh, horror franchises that have 10 installments exactly, or whatever. yeah. We're only on number three and I think they're actually doing something quite interesting by rather than just repeating the same movie they act, they are adding and i guess these critics had switched off their brains by the time they reached this point and weren't really paying attention but they are actually adding huge narrative changes wow and all sorts of new characters that fit quite integrally into that original premise that original setup but rather than kind of going the
1: modern route they're looking
2: backwards and and changing that and adding to the the backstory yeah very much so great stuff how's the cast doing cast are fine uh, in a kind of teen horror movie kind of way uh johnny galecki is okay i mean you c- you i can never watch him and not see yeah. the big bang theory but he's doing serious, so it's a bit different. You also have Vincent D'Onofrio.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yeah, Wilson Fisk up. in Daredevil, and he's... Indeed. He pops up all the time, yeah, he? Yeah,
0: do- well, the last film I saw him in, Benedict, yeah. uh, was Adventures in Babysitting, 1987, right. where he plays a hunky car mechanic who may or may not be a reincarnation of Thor the Thunder God. So, I mean, he really gets around
2: that guy. <laughs> Interesting, he does. He's a
0: diverse it- actor.
2: <laughs> yeah. In this, he's kind of playing a cross between Wilson Fisk and Daredevil, as in, he's a blind man okay and he has those kind of the the dark shades interesting stuff and he's a bit spooky and he happens to have something to do with this kind of unfolding mystery over the the history of this tape and this story Uh, it's an interesting case of a lead character that you don't really know why she's the chosen one right because there is that that kind of teen movie chosen one element of like okay, there's something about Are you talk about person? like the last
1: survivor, whatever, yeah. some sort of quality that makes them the
2: yeah, the- and they they don't really give you anything, any reason as to why she is necessarily, but she does work as a I think a really good kind of conduit for the central mystery, and she is occasionally transported into this weird kind of world where she's having strange visions, and that's where some of the most interesting oh, cool. twisty stuff happens, because she'll be in a room and the camera will 360 around her and the room will change. And that's done very, very well, actually. So I, I'm, I'm getting, like Laurie was saying, it's it seems like it's ticking lots of boxes, but not
1: necessarily the horror boxes in the same way. Did you find it scary in that sense at all, or was, there, was it not really about the scares for you at all?
2: Not really about the scares. I think the mythology... And just the, the wackiness of, of it all was the thing that really that really drew me in. I think some of some of the imagery they're playing with is gory and creepy. And I think people might not be able to handle that. Sure. But as for actual scares, actual kind of giving you nightmares, this this isn't going to I remember seeing a little bit on a trailer and it was something
1: like uh, a lady pulling some sort of not very nice shower hairs out of her mouth. Yes. And that that looked gross, but it didn't look massively scary. It just looked a bit nasty, like. Ugh.
2: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And that is a, the the trailer is a strange one. I would recommend not watching it. Okay, right, because some of those body horror elements only come in quite near the end. And so it's slightly a spoiler having them... Slightly a spoiler, yeah. And I think that the trailer is playing kind of a straight game of like, well, look at this. There's a new person who's cursed by Samara. Look what's going to happen to her. Right. When in fact, that mythology side isn't really dealt with. Other than the snippets of the plane, that feels a bit different. Like it's kind of taking this setup and expanding it and putting it into new locations.
1: Are you going to get the most out of it if you've already been a fan?
2: Well, I wouldn't consider myself much of a fan beyond that first film which I do like very much, the first American remake. The Ring. I mean, I have a, a reasonable knowledge of the basic setup. And it still worked for you. And it still worked perfectly for me. Uh, I think people who have zero interest in spooky Japanese girls, I think it, it's, it's not going to be for them because it doubles down on all of those elements. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. cranks up to 11. And, Indeed. Yeah, and what's day. the
0: Benedict... Oh, sorry. what's it called again? I was going to call it the Benedict Super Benedict Bailey score.
2: Booze. The Super Bailey Booze out of 10 horror score. So I'd go with a 4 out of 10 on this one, I think. So comparing it to Split last week, I think the scary cursed videotape element and the kind of images that you'll see there are not for the faint of heart, but this is not going to stick with you. There are not that many uh, terrifying jumps or spooky set pieces. And what about your grade for this film then? I think I'd go a B. 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 B? Yeah, a bit of a mess in a way, but a fun one, I think. Right. Fantastic. Any bonuses or any final comments? Uh, well, there's a little sequel tease at the end, which judging off the box office, we might never see come to fruition. <laughs> okay. uh, but it was a sequel tease done right, because, you know, sometimes you get a soft reboot, maybe, and the original film really doesn't offer that much, but it offers, like, honor, oh, but there's going to be a great sequel. Mm. But we never get there. Yeah. Uh, this film, I think had a really solid film and they just chuck in a fun kind of final few minutes of where this series could go. Could go, even if it point. only ever ends up just being in your head. Yeah, and right. you do so you get,
1: you're, you're, you're satisfied with that, even if it, it, it never comes to fruition. Yeah, totally,
2: because yeah. you kind of, yeah, you, you've got the next film in your head and that is really exciting and doing some fun new stuff. Right it event.
1: really bothers me when they do the Marvel sometimes does this um, with the little extra snippets when they do the ones which are just you don't it means nothing to anyone. And the, basically you have to go Google it to understand. Yeah. That's so what They want you to do There, that. They want no, you to I, know, that's but in I a great hate train. that. I hate that. I want little the image Brent in my Thomas. head. I don't want to have to Google anything. Who oh, is obviously. the purple guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, what does that mean? Like, yeah. yeah.
0: It gets... um, Oh, I won't be too cynical. Yeah, you're right, Phil. Uh, Bennett, (laughs) thanks very much. That's cracking. Good stuff. I mean, you've sort of convinced me to go see a horror film, which I thought was not really that possible to do. So well played. While we've got you here, we've got something else I'd like to throw at you because we got an email last week, two weeks ago
1: couple of weeks ago, yeah.
0: From Elliot, who had seen Split. Yeah. And had a couple of spoilerific comments that he wanted to give and questions to throw your way. Okay. And I wonder whether we can bundle that into the final, I don't know, 30 seconds of the review or whatever, so that if uh, listeners don't want to hear spoilers for Split, they can just press the 15 seconds advance button or whatever it is, skip a little bit ahead, and that'll be fine. But you up for that, doing that now? Yeah, let's go Good. for it. All right, let me just read out the full email to you and listeners. Just their reminder again, this has got spoilers for M. Night Shyamalan's film Split that Benedict reviewed a couple of weeks ago. So turn your ears off now if you don't Spoil want that to spoiled. Spoil eagles coming. <laughs> Good stuff. Hey, Super Betty Bros, just listening to Benedict's review of Split, which I went to see earlier on in the week. In many ways, I agree with him. McAvoy's performance is great and interesting to watch, but... For me, the film falls a bit flat as it builds to its resolution. I appreciate at the time of recording you hadn't seen the film, so spoiler warning, here we go. I was interested in the comparison made to 10 Cleverfield Lane, that's your comparison, Benedict, when there's an air of uncertainty on whose story is true. As for me, there's no uncertainty in this film. There's a mention early on that the rumoured 24th personality, the Beast, can scale even the
2: smoothest of surfaces, which is shown in the trailer, at which point the mystery, obviously, is lost. And I, I think I've seen the trailer... But I, as I was watching this film, I did not remember a single image right. from that trailer. So I I think possibly that is the problem. 10 Cloverfield Lane, they did have a very strong, tight marketing campaign, I think.
1: what, well, Which really knew what the film was selling. Exactly. And so therefore yeah. made sure that that wasn't spoiled or touched or anything like that. Yeah.
2: And I wonder what M. Night Shyamalan would think of that trailer. He, he presumably didn't give Final Yeah, Cup exactly. Because right? yeah. maybe if you have with the Cloverfield universe, you have J.J. Abrams. Who possibly has the clout to be like, no, that scene is not going in the trailer. He does love a good
1: mystery, JJ. He does. Yeah.
2: And I wish that's a bit of I'm disappointed that people will have seen that image because then, yeah, all that, that that mystery side is spoiled. But I think for people that haven't, it still has that mystery element. He carries on. I also had to say that the moment where he scales the walls seemed totally out of place and ultimately pointless.
0: Why did he suddenly turn away from chasing the girls to do some climbing? Okay, interesting. So
1: Benedict, I, are you enjoying this? It's quite hard, isn't it, when you've loved a film and then somebody just disagrees with you? I, I, this is how it
2: goes, man. This is what we've been used to. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting in the zone. I think, as I'm sure we will come on to, the superhero element of this film, that's possibly when it really kicks in. And I think that's Shyamalan playing, like, this is what you would see in a Marvel movie yeah, sure. with this supervillain character, is you'd see the set piece of, like, look at the effect of him climbing over the wall, how cool, how spooky. And I think that that is a purposeful moment because the rest is quite grounded in a way. Late like 10 Cloverfield Lane was quite compact. And then we have the flight of fancy of suddenly this a a switch, so the big fantastical switch. Yeah, so the big sort okay. of rug pull moment is in fact
1: a superhero moment in a horror film, which you're just not expecting at yeah. all.
0: There we go. And final comments from Elliot. That being said, Split is filmed really well and has some great moments, particularly in the performances by all of the actors the twist end was lost on me having not seen Unbreakable you neither
2: have you okay you no know, me it? neither yeah, okay. but I
0: picked up on it though no, yeah yeah but as long as this doesn't lead into another attempt at an MCU slash DCEU that's a Marvel Comic Universe there oh sorry Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, it serves as a fun turn to end the film I would give Split a
2: B fair enough are you happy I'll with that it. are you okay with that yeah yeah no I, 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 I see his argument definitely
0: Benedict thank you very much Elliot thank you very much for your email any closing comments,
2: Benedict, before we bid you a fond farewell? I don't think so. I think that's everything.
1: If you've got any thoughts on rings, plural, then do email in. I'm sure Benedict would like to hear and be challenged on his own opinions.
2: If yeah,
0: you <laughs> Would you? Benedict, you I challenge? would. <laughs> I, I'm
2: ready for it because I think people might hate it. Good, okay, cool. So if you did hate it, let Benedict know. If you loved it and you want to give Benedict
1: a bit of support, then do email in superbabybros at gmail.com or you can tweet us, Laurie. At
0: superbabybros. Is that the fun way that you, you want to it's do so it? It's so fun, isn't it? It's a so lot of fun. fun. Yeah. All right, good stuff. Thanks. You're not really a Doctor Who fan, are you Phil? Oh, no, sorry, I don't mean that. I mean Sherlock. You're not a massive Sherlock fan, or are you? Do you want to start that again? <laughs> no, I don't. Keep going. <laughs> uh, it's okay. It's okay. What do you think of Mark Gatiss, the writer, and what's his name, Mycroft? Uh, uh, yeah, he's okay. What do you think of Moriarty? Oh, I don't
1: like him. I think he's rubbish. Andrew Scott. Yeah, he wasn't good inspector, was he? No, I think he's quite an obvious obvious performance to do. It's easy to be crazy. Well, look at me. I'm. Oh, you don't know what I'm going to
0: say. Especially, I'm that, Scottish. Uh, is he, I think he's Scottish. Is he, is he Irish, I thought? Oh, like. I don't even know. I don't care. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, both of those guys are in this film, Phil. <laughs> I was really surprising. One of the first things I noticed about Denial is the absolutely English cast, even down to Rachel Weiss. Rachel
2: Weisz, Rachel
0: Weisz. You know, beautiful For You've never done that before. I know. And who is playing an American? I, I wondered whether <laughs> this has been, I haven't done the proper look, but uh, funded by the British film industry or whatever it was. Mm, I wonder. That was ever so slightly distracting in places. Uh, listeners, Denial is about the, while well, claiming to be a historian, uh, David Irving, who famously uh, p- tried to cast doubt, basically, on the Holocaust, and he called himself a Hitler historian, but he was literally legally proven to be someone who idealised uh, the Third Reich and everything else, and, uh, well, essentially, it turned out to be kind of a nasty piece of work. Uh, and this is Timothy Spall, is it? Timothy Spall plays him in this film, and it is the landmark case in which Deborah Lipstadt, who is Rachel Weiss uh, a historian in America and also a university lecturer wrote uh, books and also in lectures publicly said, you know, David Irving is a Holocaust denier. She specifically gave him that title. David Irving took issue to that because it had a massive impact on his commercial success basically people are not eager to publish books by holocaust deniers and he feels that he's been unfairly treated like this and wishes to prove that he's not a holocaust denier he's a reputable historian who's checked his facts and everything else and other people are just trying to throw that label at him he doesn't claim it for himself so he brings a libel accusation or charge against deborah lipstadt and he specifically does it in england if you do it in england then there's a different way that the whole thing is processed by the courts it means the burden of proof is on the accused. So he says, you are falsely making claims about me in a public forum, therefore you must prove that your libelous claims are true or you are going to have to face the consequences. Whereas I think if if they had done it in America, it's different. I think the burden... The onus is is on him. Yeah, or it's shared. I can't quite remember. So yeah, this film is set in England. It was a famous true story, real case. Anthony Julius, a famous lawyer who was involved in cases uh, relating to Diana. uh, And then uh, Richard Rampton, I think he was, who was the QC barrister involved in it as well. Very famous names uh, in real British history all of those guys got involved in defending Deborah Lipstadt and trying to prove that David Irving was in fact a Holocaust denier and I don't think it's particularly a spoiler to say that the case is very well known the outcome is very well known and very significant very important uh, shall we have a clip yes so this is David Irving turning up at one of Deborah Lipstadt's lectures unannounced which I think was true I think that really happened and making a bit of a scene here we go
2: in your book why do you continually denigrate the work of David Irving He's a scholar. He's discovered all sorts of primary sources no one else knew about. Well, to be honest, I, I don't think I do denigrate him. Actually, I, I don't really think about him that much. I, I don't think he's important. Yes, sir, a gentleman in the back.
1: Professor Lipstadt, uh, Let me reveal something to you, Professor. I am that David Irving about whom you have been so rude. Yes, yes, I am he. And it puzzles me That you think yourself qualified to attack me, given that I have 30 years experience in the archives. And my books have been published by some of the greatest publishing houses in the world. Viking Press, William Morrow, E.P. Dutton. I have to conclude that the reason you don't engage with
0: people you disagree with is because you can't. And you might learn some facts. Facts, Miss Lipstadt, which don't suit your opinions. Well, well...
1: There we go. That sounds really intense. It Do you sounds. Think- it sounds. Re- this whole film suddenly, I'm like, oh, this sounds really interesting. What? I don't. You? I don't know anything about this. Uh, so I'm assuming. Well, as you said, David Irving has something proven against him, but I don't know if this particular case does. Or I think the whole idea of having to prove history is a really interesting thing because then what is history and what is? what is fact and what Well, you've highlighted
0: exactly, and something that comes up again and again as the film goes on is that people are really nervous and worried, especially Holocaust survivors, that what this might essentially do is give a legal public platform to a Holocaust denier and essentially put the Holocaust itself on trial. And how can that be appropriate? That's mm. the kind of point. Like, what, what's going on? What, what are you doing? How, and, there's, and that's really fascinating, isn't it? The, <laughs> the overwhelming problem that this film faces... Is that all of that stuff is endlessly fascinating, was enormously culturally significant at the time, and the newspapers covered all this stuff. They did all the drama as the case is unfolding. And the most interesting way to find out about it is probably that ray. Well it's, just
1: reading the articles.
0: Well, just reading it. about it and learning about it, because it is fascinating. And it, it's an admirable thing to do to attempt to make a film out of it. I think it has some issues in trying to do it. Um Rachel Weiss is really great uh, playing in American. It's just a bit odd. Rachel Weiss is such a well-known British actress. Apparently, Hilary Swank was in talks to begin with to star in it, but uh, then wasn't available. That's interesting, yeah. It's just, and it, she does a very good job. I think she's quite convincing. It's, the major problem is the screenplay, I think. The, whilst there are some really great speeches, especially in the courtroom, uh, Tom Wilkinson plays Richard Rampton. Do you know Tom Wilkinson?
1: Is that the one you're always banging on about?
0: He's the guy whose name is not necessarily that recognizable, but he's fantastic. He was in the best exotic Marigold Hotel. Uh, He's also in uh, Michael Clayton. Was he the uh, Falcone in uh, Batman Begins? Oh, I don't know, Phil. You see, you've gone somewhere I don't really tread that often, (laughs) Batman Begins. That's my realm. Well, very good. He's great as this QC uh, talking about his legal tactics and the way that he prepares. And there's a great scene where they all have to go to Auschwitz. And He is asking questions as a sort of forensic investigator because he is the one who's going to have to be in court and prove all this stuff. So he goes in there and there's really awkward and tense scenes while he says, well, what is this? And how do you know that this is true? But he's doing it to build a case. And and the major theme that comes up is what place does emotion and outrage and that kind of just gut response to stuff, what place does that have when you're talking about history and I think that is a brilliant theme to be talking about right now because at the moment in the social media world, emotion trumps everything, doesn't it? Instantly, people have a platform to speak and they just say what their heart says or say what their gut reaction, their instinctive reaction is and emotion dominates everywhere. And this what film... you feel
1: is true is true rather than what is true is true.
0: Yeah, Or and whereas this film is all about how can you rein in those feelings about possibly the most emotive subject in history mm. and and let sort of cold calculating legal minds deal with it it's a fascinating exploration of law yet again though i think that's probably better handled (laughs) as you deal with the actual facts of the case because so where does it go wrong well it's that theme is slightly hackneyed and in the way that it's put together in particular the stuff i noticed is that those kind of themes are drawn out and they're just kind of forgotten
1: so They fade into the air.
0: Yeah, there's a particular sequence, not a spoiler here, where one of the Holocaust survivors, one of the major issues is that they don't want to put Holocaust survivors on the stand. And their reason for doing it, Anthony Julius, who's played by Andrew Scott, does a good job, by the way, is that they don't want to allow David Irving, who famously mocked these people and had awful things to say they don't want to allow him to do that to these people on the largest public forum they don't want to put them in front of him so they can be humiliated so with that all in mind that's really hard for deborah lipstadt to deal with because that plays into her past and and she meets these people and she sees the pain and she's there saying no we really need to have this we need to show people their pain the world's got to know like how awful it is that there are people like david irving going around casting doubt and all that sort of stuff on the holocaust and so she says to one of them, as, as this Holocaust uh, survivor comes up to her and says, "We our voice has got to be heard. She says, I'll, I'll make you a promise. Your suffering will be heard. And it she feels like a big moment in a screenplay, in a film, that's an inciting incident or whatever it is. Mm. And it just gets completely left behind. Mm. just vanishes. It just goes away. And that happens again and again. There's also a scene where uh, Andrew Scott, Andrew Julius, says to her, um, Deborah Libstadt as Rachel Weisplacer, so likes to go for runs in London she goes for jogs where she you know they use the jogging sequence as a way to show that she's really thinking about something you know her eyes close-ups on the around, face yep. and then at one point he says to her you should change your route you need to change your jogging route just change it you run the same way every day and instantly screenplay wise you're thinking oh is something bad is she being followed is she going to be threatened mm. but nothing comes of that either <laughs> Like, and the, the reason that's the case is that <laughs> the very nature of the story is about getting rid of emotion and telling something true well, and was, doing something factual I was going to ask you that
1: because if it is it seems like the the film is constantly trying to be like look at this film this is a really important story and then it's like
0: we oh, we got to tell the truth yeah exactly That's, that is exactly the experience of it so they do a lot of promise that has absolutely no payoff because actually the story it's just straightforward yeah it, 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 it's a remarkable thing that happened but it's not particularly cinematic and i think one of the one of the big failings in a weird way I know, but I also have mixed feelings about saying this because of the way the film works, is that Timothy Spall's great as David Irving, but you never really get to see him be great as David Irving because the film doesn't... Doesn't want to give a- him any sort of... Exactly, foul. the film itself, just like these guys, didn't really want to give him a platform to say his things, which are horrible and they're offensive and they're very, very upsetting but that they're making a film about it like so, so it's like a
1: weird microcosm of everything that was happening in the court case anyway yeah so in the in the making of the film
0: i think it's just a confused approach and they don't quite get it right and there are some unsubtle things that happen but they're treated as really detailed things so one example is that richard rampton doesn't look at david irving in the courtroom when he talks specifically to the judge or just looks at the floor while he's making his points excellently it's brilliant it's really if fans of rhetoric will enjoy it because things are made really really well and it showcases that the american sort of courtroom drama of like intense emotions and slamming desks that's not the most effective way to make your case Mm. certainly it's great but he doesn't look at David Irving, and th- and afterwards, Deborah Lipstadt's like, I mean, I noticed that. Then Deborah Lipstadt afterwards goes, I noticed you didn't uh, look him in the eye. That's really clever. Like, uh, yeah, you don't even want to look at him. And he goes, Yes, yes, I didn't want to look at him. So, <laughs> like, okay, right, I get, I get. <laughs> like it. They, they knew that this is a fact <laughs> written down, like
1: the observed thing, and so they want to put it in, but they don't have a way. Of and it's as of- if
0: it's really interesting and dramatic, but it isn't. It's like, well, I could tell that from the scene. So, yeah. I think the film, unfortunately, it's just not very cinematic. And that's a disappointment, but the story itself is really amazing. And is it basically a
1: courtroom film?
0: Yeah, and an English courtroom film. And one of the key parts of it as well is that they succeed in making it... I can't remember what the correct terminology is, but it doesn't go before a jury. It just goes before a judge. But that also naturally means that the courtroom is not really full. (laughs) It's full of press. And it
1: seems very Yeah, it's very
0: small. And uh, the, the press are always there making notes, and they worry about the press a lot, but there's no sort of public... There's outright. no public audience to sort of judge no, the, or deem. the most you get are sort of baying crowds throwing eggs and things and trying to get people to make comments outside the courtroom so they have to be ferried in and out very fast. But as you point out, Phil, when it's so true and the whole point is about truth, they can't really play around with it too much. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was all right. What's the grade? I would probably give it a... Oh, it's tough. I think I give it a B minus. I was going to say a C plus because I don't think it's great filmmaking, but I think the story is fascinating. I, and the performances I feel are good.
1: I feel hooked in, and I kind of want. I, part of me is like, do I just want to read the articles then, or do I want to watch the film and maybe give it a fair? It's whack? It's
0: definitely enjoyable. It's an enjoyable film. I I didn't not like it, so B minus is a, is about right. And really worth watching out. And this is the reason I brought Sherlock up. Uh, Mark Gatis gives a great performance as a Polish guy, the guide for Auschwitz and an Auschwitz historian. I didn't even rec- know it was him because his accent's really good. And he's just good. I was really reassured to know that Mark Gatiss can actually act quite well. Is it, it Gatiss or? I don't know, man. I call him Gatiss. And also Andrew Scott, I thought was really good. as Anthony Julius. I liked him. Uh, I was pleased to see that he can act too. So there you go. Any bonuses? Those kind of were my bonuses, yeah.
1: Maybe you should deny giving bonuses. Nice one, Phil. Really good. <laughs> also, ever since the review started, I've just been thinking of that that scene at the end of Aladdin when he says, Wish for the Nile. I wish for the denial. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then Genie says, no way. And I always thought, I only realised the other day that's kind of a bit of a joke because he says, I wish for denial, and then Genie denies
0: him. Nice way to end the, the good, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Wise, cool? Totally not a doofus, because he supports us on Patreon. He's cool Phil, so we've got emails and tweets to go through now, and I wish you had brought a computer with you so that you could read some. I don't like reading emails. I'm not good at it. I I feel Phil, like people cringe
1: whenever I was reading it, and it was like, oh, Phil's reading it. Listeners, oh. give him my some wonderfully written,
0: eloquent thing has been spoiled. Tell by Phil, this buffoon, that you love his voice and you love his dramatic readings, because otherwise, it's just going to be me. And I st- I just speed up, Phil. Have you not noticed? <laughs> I go faster and faster, and I always gets hoarser and hoarser. So, well, anyway, you're going to have to have me for the time being, listeners. Sorry, we've got a bunch of emails on the rewards, Phil. Loads of categories, but we're holding them back, aren't we?
1: Yeah, well, I think we kind of want to be a surprise. I mentioned at the start, maybe when we've kind of finalised our our categories, then we can throw them out there and then people can start nominating, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah, and just, you know, be reassured, listeners. We read everything you send us, even if it doesn't get read out here. So don't worry, it never get falls on deaf ears.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of
0: course, read it all. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> read all. One here from Esther at Superbelly Bros. Looking back through Oscar history, this is a question for you, really. Which films have won awards that are totally undeserved in your opinion? Uh Judy Dench, she won it for 4 minutes of screen time.
1: What was that? Shakespeare film? in Love, she played Queen... Oh, yeah. uh what's her face? Elizabeth, I think. Yeah, and it's one of the most ridiculous ones ever. That whole film Shakespeare in Love, good film, but should it have really won? Surprise, Ooh. wasn't it? What did it beat? I can't even remember. It beat out like Saving Private Ryan. Like oh, it was wow. a it was a really hot year and it was one of the years when people were like, really? <laughs> that was where Harvey what Hy-Vee. That's where Harvey Weinstein got his reputation because he managed to basically campaign and win a lot of clout.
0: It's funny, isn't it? It's a good film, Shakespeare in Love. Yeah,
1: I'd, I like it, but it's not like
0: an amazing film. It's odd for a comedy to win it as well, I think. Normally it goes to something a bit more weighty. Uh, I think uh, with Phil, The Artist uh, was just a crazy film to win.
1: I mean, at the same time, I think it kind of had to win it because it's such a weird little film. It doesn't fit in any other categories at all. Yeah. So if it didn't win, what was it saying about cinema and stuff like that? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I just, I just think it's a boring film.
0: I think we'd have to look through that again, Esther, because that's a good point. We should include that in our little Oscars um, rundown that we do. Yeah, that'd be good. Because we didn't do that last time, I don't think. So yeah, we'll, we'll do that, Esther. We'll find some, some things we think are either suspicious, <laughs> not wanting to cast aspersions, or just things we really disagree with. Just a quick note here. This is very self-aggrandizing, Phil, and I've already retweeted it on Twitter. Pete Turner uh, tweeted saying, Who has time for four podcasts a week? Runners do. Thanks to Empire Magazine, Wittertainment, that's the Kermode show, Ali Plum, Radio 1, and the Super Bailey Bros, (laughs) for filling my ears. I just love reading all those names out together. You know, nice little... Yeah. Thanks very much, Pete. Rachel got in touch and said, I went to see La La Land recently with a couple of friends. Come lights up, one was crying... And the other silent Till eventually uttering the words I'm stunned Wow That is a big reaction That is
1: I mean that's the sort of reaction That I think Is leading to all these Five star Things on the posters I think there must be Loads of people Who felt that way Who just did not see it coming Like a smack in the face A musical slap in the face
0: (laughs) Yeah And you know I went to see it again Listeners I managed to get out To the cinema With Jude and she loved it. Uh, I really enjoyed it again. I was more impressed with the performances the second time round. Were you? I was. I think Emma Stone in particular was just great. She had a light-hearted role to play in many ways. It was just nice and subtle, nuanced. I still don't think Ryan Gosling was Oscar deserving. I think he's great, but it, it's just it's right up his street. I think.
1: But is that is that you saying it because you've seen him in the nice guys do that same? I've seen sort of him thing? in a lot of stuff, and I, I think but I don't think it's it's exactly what he's known for that sort of character.
0: Maybe maybe I'm just being fooled. Maybe he makes it look easy. Therefore, he should win an Oscar. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Keep the what, love what coming. What did Judith think about it? She's liked it. She loved it. She found it very emotional. Did she? Yeah. She's also very heavily pregnant, which I'd, <laughs> she wouldn't mind me saying. <laughs> uh, but it is an emotional film. Okay, yeah. Moving on. Uh, Nicholas got in touch. And this is a What We've Been Watching tweet. And obviously, since What We've Been Watching, the last episode has been recorded. And in fact, released by this point, hasn't it? Yeah, check it out. Do check it out. So you notice we didn't include tweets there. And we said very clearly that we would be putting them here. Nicholas says, plus one for Buried. That's your review there, Phil. Although you forgot to mention the fantastic use of the camera. Ryan Reynolds at his best.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't do that film very much justice, but I think it's really impressive how uh, cinematic it looks, even though it's a guy in a box.
0: There you go. Nice. Uh, One here from Bernard. Love for La La Land and the question of food in cinemas. Here we go. Hi, bros. Finally got round to emailing. Sorry, it's a long one. Listening to your review of La La Land, although I couldn't rationally disagree with most of your points, I found myself becoming massively defensive of this film, and I want to encourage the sceptics to see it. I don't think there are many sceptics, are there? I don't think. Well, I've no. Having said that, I think there are people who
1: think it can't ever live up to the hype, or they they hear lots of hearsay, lots of whispers about what it is, and they think, oh, I don't want to see that film. Mm. I think it genuinely is quite a unique film that you have to kind of make your own mind up about. I think that's fair to say.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, I was not interested in going to it. (laughs) There we go. And entered the cinema fully expecting to be underwhelmed by an overhyped, cheesy Hollywood smaltz fest. For the first five minutes of the movie, as extras flung themselves enthusiastically over Carl bonnets, all of my fears were confirmed, but within half an hour, I found myself utterly charmed. It's
1: funny, that opening segment, I think pretty much every single person I've spoken to has said... I don't really get this. It's, it's a bit the oh, weakest, I'm not isn't it? sure about this. It's funny. Lots of musicals seem to struggle with this. Les Misérables. The worst bit of that that musical was Looked the opening down. song. Yeah, the the audio doesn't seem to have as much impact as it should. And yeah, it's, it's funny that five minutes didn't work for me i at agree all.
0: sometimes i wonder whether it's deliberate and it just wants to you to kind of get the deal this is a musical okay and let's and you just get on go, with it and oh, you can be relieved okay. when the film moves on maybe that maybe that's
1: the strategy like it's unlikely start but... <laughs> small and build like the beginning of a roller coaster
0: <laughs> yeah that kind of thing yeah uh he goes on the chemistry between rg and es i like saying it that way is really impressive and many scenes were genuinely hilarious i agree the 80s scene is fantastic i would argue that it is worth the hype So there we go. Another unequivocal thumbs up for La La Land. Uh, He's got another thing to say, though. I was wondering if the bros have strong views on food in cinemas. I went to see Jackie last week. Plus one. Thank you. A stunning film and score. Totally agreed. Uh, and brought myself some popcorn for the occasion. For me, a box of sweet and salty is a real cinema treat, but clearly my neighbour with sonar hearing disagreed. <laughs> I made every effort to eat silently, and it took me the entire film to finish a small portion, but I still received passive aggressive glances and growls every time I took a handful. At the end of the film, she stood up and said, I hope you enjoyed your popcorn. It sounded really delicious. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I love that. I think that says
1: more about her than you.
0: Is it unreasonable to expect complete silence in the theatre, or do you side with the snack police?
1: I think, basically, we're all selfish people, and whenever I've had snacks, I think, oh, I'm just being reasonable. Make loads and loads of noise. Russell, Russell, Russell. Oh, of course I have a slurpy drink. (laughs) But as soon as it's somebody else, even remotely in the cinema, I'm like,
0: "What an idiot! I How think dare you." A lot of it is time related because a quick sort of scrabble that shows that you've planned your you know point of entry for your hand, going into the bag or the box of popcorn, and you know exactly where to go, you know exactly what to grab in and out quickly. I'm all okay with that. The thing I can't stand is when someone just absent mindedly plunges their hand into the bag and rootles around for what feels like ten minutes. Like what are you doing? That's annoying. It becomes part of the soundtrack.
1: No, see I think I, I disagree. I think the overly conscientious person is what draws it out and makes it awful and better like unbearable when they're
0: No, but that's not what you do. I'm talking about in and out. I'm exactly if in and, it's and really out. Planned, is better. Go... In and out is definitely better than careful tiptoeing because you can't, you're, you're bothering somebody. You are going to be bothering somebody. Hey, you've, well, there are three ways then. So there's the in and out, well-planned, well-executed, military precision. There's the trying really hard but failing. And then there's the I don't even care, so I'm just going to rootle around. In some ways, I have a lot of respect for the people who say I don't even care. Phil, you're the you're the problem. Just do you, <laughs> just be you. Okay. P.S. Belated plus one to Phil for arrival. Best film I've seen this year. No, can't be better than Jackie or La La Land. Victory. P.P.S. A while back you had a section on awkward movie laughs, and I wondered if you'd seen this classic. Harry Potter is dead. <laughs> 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 oh, i see what he's done there oh this film this this video goes on for 10 hours no let's stop it there uh i hear what you're saying there bernard that is a classic
1: uh listen keep going Vol- he's good for uh, a lot of awkward laughs isn't
0: he but, it's, but weirdly enough it all supports the performance i think disagree i
1: think they made him into sort of a silly villain do you think that you don't really respect
0: but i think it conveys his sort of awkwardness and actually he's a person who doesn't really know how to laugh
1: doesn't know how to love either
0: well exactly phil i think that's the line that jk Rowling edited out here at voldemort laughed talk <laughs> yeah uh but yeah very good keep those coming in listeners we love the awkward laughs and that is it for bernard thank you uh martin got in touch and said best review ever the triple x review might be the best ever phil's reaction though was every bit as funny as extreme dude loved it loved it i actually want to see the film now <laughs> That's the weird thing about a really bad review, isn't it? Well, I, I, I'm really glad that that worked. I did have a sort of delirious, two-sided experience with that film. There were some things I hated, some things I was just so happy about. I realised it was a very strange, especially the opening bit with Neymar turning up and the freeze frames. It was like a tiny part of my brain switched on that I didn't even realise had been off <laughs> for years and years. And I was not expecting... To the triple x to be the vitamin i was missing <laughs>
1: that sounds like almost like that moment in ratatouille you know where the critic eats the food and then it zooms in and suddenly he's back in his childhood like eating I haven't his mum's cooking
0: that. i've not seen that film you haven't seen ratatouille thinking. no i oh, haven't i've been thinking friend, about that today. we need to watch that how about that okay Ah, uh, sorry this is that's the self aggrandizement over thank you martin nicholas says congratulations on reaching episode 10 <laughs> that opening jingle is one of my favorite jingles and i had tears of joy when hearing it
1: uh, oh fantastic i do like that one that way, i remember when you said oh, i'm just go play something many many episodes ago and i was like
0: what is this laurie? your reaction was genuine wasn't it you were very confused <laughs> mm. uh, he says it was even more appropriate as you reviewed hashtag gold i heard the song doesn't feature in the movie no quite right very much a shame that's a definite reason for me not to see it last week i was revisiting episode 15 in season one having recently watched chalet girl which i remembered laurie very much enjoyed and i'm sorry laurie here's my first minus one for you this season being in the Alps yourself, I think you may have been too biased. Sure, the scenery's great, but the film as a whole is pretty bad, mainly the screenplay. The movie feels a good 10 years old, if not 20. The only silver lining is Bill Nighy's ever charming performance. Young Felicity Jones, though, was fine. You've seen Shadow Girl, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I have. I don't really get your love of it. I I've think been criticised for this many times. Yeah, I think it's okay. Like, I think... The main guy in it, the lead, Ed Westwick. Mr.
0: Creepy Psychopath. So, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, What's funny, though, is I've been watching Gossip Girl. Hate me all you want, don't care. Gossip Girl, he's Lovely in that. And that's like him being this guy, Chuck. And he's got, again, like this really psychopathic character. who <laughs> has got this awful haircut. And I don't know, he's playing this American guy. He just always talks like... He's a
0: bit of an odd Rrr. chap, isn't he? I think the thing is, Nicholas, you're probably right. I had just come out of a big skiing hike. And so that was a large part of it. But I do like the sort of open spirit of it. And I, I like the scene with the Yeti in it. You know, there goes. A little tease. <laughs> People to see it. Uh, he does also say, having had two to three more dramatic roles this year, how do you think Felicity Jones's career is going? That's a good question. That is an interesting question. I don't think she's fared that well. Same here, Phil. I am sad to say... And my sort of hope doesn't rise. My heart. What's the phrase I'm looking for? When I see her name on the bill, like a Lord of the Rings. (laughs) I don't even know what I'm talking about. When I see her name on the bill, I don't think, oh great, anymore. I thought she was really great in. uh, I was going to say Fantastic Beasts. What I mean is the Theory of Everything. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Very different film. Yeah, yeah. It's just Eddie Redmayne. She was really brilliant in that. She
1: was great in that, wasn't
0: she? Yeah, and I thought she was sort of okay in Inferno as well. But I liked her in
1: Inferno. Uh, I think she's. I think she's okay in Rogue One. No, I didn't like her in Rogue One. I As think... we've already
0: said, I, I thought she was just not... I think she just wasn't right for the role. I don't think she was cast well.
1: And I think in Monster Calls, she wasn't... Yeah, and just didn't so fit. Sure. It's not that I think she's a bad actress. I just think she's not doing roles that fit her.
0: Yeah, she's definitely flavour of the month, though. So hopefully there'll be more chances to see her do great stuff. And She's still one to watch, but I, yeah, not encouraging signs so far. Now, Nicholas has got a few more things in here. I'll try and speed through them. He asked us about video game reviews because in episode 15, apparently you reviewed Doom, Phil, <laughs> which he said was rubbish.
1: Yeah, I have. Yeah, I've seen Doom, didn't like it. I thought it was weirdly tacky and awful. And I don't know. I don't, I'm surprised it got the actors that it did. It got The Rock, mm, Dwayne The Rock Dwayne Johnson, Nelson. and also Carl Urban, who was uh Aomir in Lord of the Rings, and yeah, also yeah, Judge yeah.
0: Dredd. He makes the point here that no video game movies adaptations have been announced for 2017. I think is that I and mean, I thought Alicia Vikander has just been cast as Tomb yeah, Raider. Yeah, in
1: the pro, they just released a set picture of that. And yeah. I think it's interesting Tomb Raider is probably one of the most successful video game films. It seemed to actually be quite successful Angelina Jolie and I think they've reinvented Lara Croft's character. So it'll be interesting to see how she does. Oscar winning actress
0: yeah well his major point there is that do you think the studios are reckoning that they're bombs and that they aren't worth it
1: no I think what's what's constantly coming back to me is they think yes there's something here there's there's a built-in audience they just need to crack the the actual approach the formula and it seems to be the constant trouble that uh these films get into I think Assassin's Creed really highlights this is they don't seem to understand what it's like playing these video games and so, therefore, they don't transfer that into films.
0: Yeah, I think they need to go one of two ways: either they focus much more on what it is for the player, or they leave that part of it completely alone
1: and just take the concept, which is exactly. what Angry Birds did, basically. Yeah, which <laughs> wasn't exactly wasn't a exactly success. a flying success, but you Whoa, know.
0: very good Phil, a flying success. Uh-huh. Yeah, very good because they don't fly; they plummet. That's kind of
2: yeah.
1: Oh.
0: Nicholas carries on. Episode 15 only had what we've been watching reviews. I'm sad to hear you'll be having a pause. Will you be able to continue the main show? Of course, don't worry about that. Except for when, you know, the baby actually arrives. Uh, will there be what we've been watching reviews on it sometimes? Maybe you can have guest appearances or a short-term substitute. Uh, I We haven't really discussed it. I think Laurie's got more things on his mind at the moment, which is fair
1: enough. But I, I, I'd like to do what we've been watching. I don't want to say goodbye for it, to it forever, but we haven't exactly worked out how that might be. No, and I've
0: s- still been queuing up all these films. That I've got no reason to see, really, other than that I want to talk about them on what we've been watching. <laughs> so it'll happen, Nicholas. I think probably you're right. What will happen is it might be a small feature in the main show every now and again. And as we point out, who knows, what we've been watching might come back. Nearly finished, he says, what I'm trying to say is congratulations on going that far and being a real highlight in our week's how very lovely oh that's very nice thank very nice you indeed. for saying so Nicholas can't wait to hear a super bailey bro baby on the show well at this point I do want to say do you this know one of the very of the first lives. features that we ever discussed before we even recorded a single episode was baby review baby review that yeah. was the thing we were going to do maybe I- that'll make an appearance I was going to get my daughter to review what was it Everest or something <laughs> and just <laughs> I'm, I'm still waiting for that segment to make an appearance well let's see what happens Thank you very much, Nicholas. And he's given us some more Brawls categories there. The last email is also to the Brawls categories, so we can take a deep breath and pause. <sighs> Next week you're reading some out, Phil. Mm, we'll, yes. see. we'll see. We'll yes, see. Yes, you are. Listeners, thanks so much for getting in touch. Stay in touch. Superbellybros at gmail.com at Superbellybros on Twitter. You read so well so quickly, you know, we get through loads of emails, which means lots of listeners are happy. Yeah. Whereas if I did it, it would be like bah, 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 and it just wouldn't. You're doing yourself yeah. down here, Phil. It's not appropriate. Listeners, build them up. Let's get in reading, especially <laughs> for my throat, please. <laughs> whoa there we go the end of season 2 episode 11 thanks so much for listening listeners yeah thank you very much do get in touch if you have views and opinions
1: on those films Loving, Denial, Rings and 20th Century Women yeah lots of not not the funnest little list we've ever had of no films, no
0: and I'm sorry we will try and see T2's spotting, or maybe we'll send Benedict to go and watch that one <laughs> please Benedict save us uh, yeah and uh, listeners I, I, there are lots of things I haven't been able to mention in this episode you'll know on Twitter some people were hilariously making fun of me saying Mick Drop, which I'm sure you would have loved me to read out, Phil. Uh, that wasn't intentional me missing it. But oh, come- really? <laughs> it wasn't intentional. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Mm. We'll revisit all that stuff next week. Uh, but thank you very much for taking part. Stay in touch. I won't read the email again. We've said it enough times. Mm. Uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah, what we've been watching. Do have a listen, mm. listeners, especially if you haven't listened to what we've been watching yet. Phil and I put our heart and soul into the final episode. Well, we wanted to make it a
1: nice, possible. fun one. And so we've put, chosen movies that we, we think are important to us yeah. and have fun and hopefully it'll be interesting so search for it on iTunes is it on the website as well? Uh, yeah it is it's on the website so very easily found go and check it out even if it's just this one off listen to the last one and have a good time and maybe if you like it go listen
0: to the other ones as well exactly yeah it's good fun okay but that's it have a really great week listeners who knows maybe I'll be having a baby next week so I won't be on the podcast but we shall wait and see wait and see watch the space ooh a bit of tension to the podcast mm, bye 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 Actually, I actually have a note here for we should do a review someday as Kate Bush. Mm.
2: Out of this film
0: you <laughs> will see something very green. I'm, very, I'm so glad that you jumped into that in the way that I hoped you would. <laughs> this film cinematography is quite great. That kind of thing. <laughs> I think that's my like Babushka that, yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> babushka, babushka. <laughs> I love Kate Bush, man. She's yeah. a genius. Very interesting, very interesting. Mm.
1: Ruth Neger is voted... It's rubbish. Ruth Negga has been voted uh, nominated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to end up at the end. Whew. Love, 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 you. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day.
1: Yeah, the
2: the audio doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. <clears throat>